Welcome to the Revolutionary Stewardship Podcast. I'm your host, J.D. Shears, a pastor, certified kingdom advisor, certified stewardship instructor, and an investment advisor representative. We will be discussing topics such as biblically responsible investing, estate planning, and wealth transfer that will benefit you as an obedient steward. Christianity is revolutionary. Shouldn't your stewardship be as well? This broadcast is brought to you by the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. On the last podcast, I spoke about the need for using life insurance as a building block or a foundation for a financial plan because it allows a financial plan to complete itself in the event that you're no longer here due to death. And I think we need to to be very general today, very basic, but explain the different types of life insurance that can be used within a financial plan. I know many people are familiar with, with some of these terms. And I'm not going to give you an opinion based on, on you know, my personal preference because everyone's situation is different. Uh, it can be based on age, based on income, based on the amount of insurance needed. So let, let's just let's have a conversation about this because there are a lot of opinions about this uh, on, on these types of insurance. Whether it be someone who's on the radio uh, uh, five days a week that, that says term insurance is the only way to go. Uh, versus someone who says permanent insurance uh, can be used for a number of different things, uh, accelerated benefit riders, uh, cash values for uh, paying off your home later, whatever it may be. So let's let's keep the opinions out of it, and let's just talk about the basics of life insurance. So the first thing I want to talk about is term insurance. Term insurance is pure insurance. It doesn't do anything else. It pays it pays if you die during the term of the insurance and the premiums have been paid and the policy is active. Now, back in 1996, uh, when I entered the financial planning profession, term insurance was much different than it is today. We had what was called one-year renewable term, which means that based on your age, let's say you bought it at age 30, after one policy year, the premium would increase and every year thereafter is for as long as you held it. It was relatively cheap compared to the other types of insurance, but it increased annually, one year renewable term. Now, let's 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 just look at term insurance. What is term insurance used for? It's usually uh, to create a pool of money for a higher need. Okay, so you're actually leveraging your premium payments to buy as much insurance as you can. Term insurance is is probably the way to go to accomplish that. Um, we see ads on Facebook. We see ads on the television that that um, you know people selling term insurance, and they say you know for thirteen dollars a month you can buy half a million dollars. Listen, everyone's age, uh, whether you're male or female, smoker, non-smoker, uh, family history. There are a number of variables that would allow you uh, to move around rating classes. Uh, you know, if you're a marathon runner and your family history is perfect, uh, your blood pressure is perfect, you have no sugar problems, uh, you may get a what's called a like a super preferred, one of the best rating classes possible. Uh, if if you had a, a family history, you know, dad or mom had diabetes or cancer, uh, that will almost automatically knock you down one rating class, whether it applies to you or not. So. In, in a situation of buying insurance, you're, you're, it's going to be underwritten. There are some non-medicals out there. 
Uh, normally, they're a little higher. Uh, if, if you're looking for the cheapest type of insurance, I would probably say take a full underwritten policy, especially if you're healthy. Uh, you'll probably get a better rating class. But back to, to term insurance. So term insurance is pure insurance. It's, it's leverage. It, it, it accumulates no cash value. Now, as I say that, my, there's a, a little light bulb that went off in my head. Because there is a, what's called a, a return of premium term insurance, ROP. It's a different animal. Uh, so return of premium in, uh, term insurance. The, the premiums are higher. Okay, they're not as cheap as, as not having that, that particular rider, which is what it is. But you get all your premiums back after, let's say, 15, 20, 25 years, whatever the term insurance plan is. So if you bought a 20-year return of premium term insurance policy, uh, you basically, after the 20 years, you get all of your premiums back. Um, and if you die during the 20 years, you get your premium back plus the death benefit. It's actually not a bad plan uh, uh, for someone who says, I don't, you know, I don't like life insurance because, you know, the money's just gone. Or I don't like term insurance because the money's just gone. Um, and I know there's some really, really good life insurance salesmen out there, uh, professionals, that could compare, for example, uh, one type of permanent plan versus return of premium term insurance policy, and one may outperform the other. Uh, but let's, let's, like I said, let's keep it to basics. So term insurance, pure insurance, is usually the, the most amount of insurance you can get for the least amount of premium dollars. That's kind of how it works. Normally, we see term insurance in um, a group plan. So at your employer, you may have group term insurance. It's usually pennies on the dollar. Uh, it's relatively cheap, um, depending on your age, depending on your history. Um, and, you know, at, at work, it may be, you know, two times your annual salary, something of, of that nature. Uh, many people have term insurance uh, outside of their employer, which I highly recommend. Uh, and, you know, they, well, I'll give you an example. I bought a, a large plan uh, in, in 2004, a 20-year plan. It's, it's three year, four years from, from, from ending its term. Uh, and, well, well, let's talk about that right now. So, let's say you buy a 20-year term. Uh, and, and just like I did, in 2004, I bought a term insurance policy for 20 years. The premiums were fixed for 20 years for the death benefit. At the end of the 20 years, I can allow it to, to just end that is one option. I, I no longer pay the premiums. I no, the life insurance is no longer enforced because there's no cash value. There's no extended term, nothing. The second option is, is I continue to pay whatever the premium jumps to. All right. So I've been paying $99.28 a month since 2004. For that amount of insurance, it'll be at current rates. So that insurance may jump up considerably it may triple or quadruple in price um and then i could continue to pay that but it will it will increase every year because it's not a term that's locked in i'm just paying current premium based on my age uh and for someone who has health issues let's say that you uh um had a a terminal illness uh maybe diabetes maybe there's a number of, of different illnesses or sicknesses you may consider continuing to pay that premium. The third option, okay, so the first two options is I let it expire. The second option is I continue to pay the premium of whatever the step-up premium is, 
Okay, which I don't recommend unless you have to. And you have to if you can't if you're not insurable anymore. The third option is is you and most I'm not saying all, but most term insurance plans through whatever uh, uh, carrier that you bought it from will allow you to convert all or part of the the term insurance to a permanent plan. That may be a better option. Let me give you a for instance. Let's say uh, you bought term insurance because you had you know a mortgage, you was raising kids, uh, you needed a, you know let's say a million dollar policy or two million dollar policy. Uh, the kids are now raised, the mortgage is paid off, you have no debt. Um, you may still want to continue having life insurance, but you may not want a $2 million policy. So you could convert a portion of that to a permanent plan, okay? Let's say you want to keep 100000 okay? Or you want to keep 50000 for uh, death ben- or for burial uh, final expense benefits. You have an option of doing that. Now, I'm, I'm painting a broad, with a broad brush here. Each carrier is different, but for the kind of the standard rule of thumb, what I'm telling you is, is pretty much spot on. So that's your third option. Let me go through those options again. If you bought a 20-year term or a 10-year term or a 30-year term and you have paid it and you didn't die, okay, because if you died, the, the term insurance is going to pay your beneficiaries. So you still own the contract. On the date of expiration, at the end of the third or 30 or 20 or whatever it is, whatever the term is, you have an option of not continuing to pay it. You say, I don't need it anymore. I'm not paying it. Second option is, is that you continue to pay whatever the step-up premium is for that term policy. Still term insurance. Still term insurance. But I can tell you, you're going to get sticker shock. The premium is going to be high. Okay? The third option is you convert 100% or part of that term insurance plan. Okay? There's really kind of a fourth option. If you're still healthy, buy another plan. Okay, we still have the need for insurance. Buy another term insurance policy, or you know, another plan, uh, whether it be a, a a blend or a hybrid of term insurance and permanent insurance, whatever it may be. So that's term insurance. Let's move on to the second the second type of insurance, universal life. So universal life has a a spotty history. So when I went and entered the financial planning profession in 1996, what I entered was a quagmire of universal life policies that were blowing up. <laughs> so let me let me explain what a universal life policy is first. So back in the day, so back in the 80s, there was, uh, I believe it was E.F. Hutton. You, and some of you older folks, uh, don't take that wrong, people that are my age or older, uh, do you remember the, the commercial? When E.F. Hutton speaks, finish it. People listen. That was term insurance. Uh, and what they were saying at that time was buy term insurance and invest the difference. What they're saying is is that you know based on a, a a permanent plan, you could buy term insurance much cheaper, and the amount of money that you would have saved by buying the, buying the term insurance, you could have invested. There's a lot of different problems with that. Number one is most people don't invest the difference. I've been doing this for a quarter of a century. That's just kind of fact. People don't invest the difference. They just save the money on the, the, the plan, and at the end of the, the, the term, uh, they have nothing. So they, they didn't invest the difference. But a new type of policy was, was created because of that by term invest the difference. It was called a universal life policy. So a universal life policy had a cash account. Okay? Had a cash account. And it was... 
more expensive than term, but normally less expensive than the Cadillac of permanent insurance, which is whole life. So it was cheaper, okay? The, but you paid more because what happened? What happened was, let's say the actual cost of insurance inside of the plan was fifteen dollars a month. The premium may have been fifty dollars a month. So what you were doing is you were you were acu- you were uh, accumulating cash in the cash account. All right, so that hopefully your premium stayed level throughout your lifetime of owning that plan. All right, so uh, you, you need a visual here. Take a, a, a money bag with a dollar symbol on it and say, if I bought term insurance, it would be $15 a month. If I bought uh, this universal life insurance, my premium is $50 a month, but that extra $35 is going into that cash bag. Fifteen, the other fifteen dollars is actually paying for the the, the insurance that I'm uh, being provided. And as you age, insurance increases. Okay, the cost of insurance increases because of mortality. So, but you should ideally the plan was that you, if you started paying with a fifty dollar premium, that if you lived forty or fifty years after buying the plan, it was still fifty dollars a month. Here's the problem. Back in the 80s, if many of you can remember, maybe depending on your age, interest rates were 12, 14, 15%. That's what you could get on a CD, right? And the universal life plans were being illustrated at 10, 15%, showing that that cash value bag, and the component, the cash value bag inside of that universal life policy was illustrated at 10, 12, 15%. It wasn't reality. What happened was the premiums were based on a non-guaranteed projection, which meant in about or what which meant in about ten or fifteen years, when interest rates dropped. Okay, when interest rates dropped, the policies blew up. People were getting letters saying, "If you don't increase your premium, your policy is going to lapse." There were a lot of mad people. I'm telling you, and that's about the time that I came into business. So people were calling me and saying, uh, and saying, hey, you know, this agent 1985 or 1988 or whatever sold me this plan and I was never going to have to, you know, my premiums were going to stay the, the same forever, you know, forever. Uh, I'm now 75 years old on a fixed income and I'm getting a lapse policy in the ma- or lapse notice in the mail on my universal life policy. And I'm like, oh, no, you know, and, and that was reality. They blew up. They, they blew up. Many life insurance companies had bailouts, uh, which means that they allowed the person to change a plan into something different. Uh, but sometimes it was reduced death benefit. It, it was a, a disaster. So now uh, people have learned from that. Uh, Universal Life is still a, 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 in a nutshell, is, a, is a, a permanent policy option. All right. But it doesn't pay dividends. Whole life insurance pays dividends. All right, which is just basically a return of premium. Uh, but Universal Life pays an interest rate declared. And you need to find out if you're looking at a Universal Life plan that, that you know, if the guaranteed interest rate is 3%, focus your premium payments on the guaranteed. All right, don't look at the non-guaranteed. The non-guaranteed may show 5 4%, whatever. Look at the guaranteed side and look how long you're going to have to pay the premium. Uh, based on the guaranteed side. Your death benefit may run out before you do. Uh, 
Now, there are different types of universal life policies. There's fixed universal life, which is just a fixed interest rate on that cash bag. There are indexed universal life, which are related to the indices, maybe S&P 500, some type of global index. Uh, They're very interesting uh, uh, products. I actually like them. Uh, I own one. Uh, It's it's interesting. Um, It's not in the market. Okay, but but the the cash value bag uh, is relative to the tracking of certain indices. So that's an interesting product. Then you have variable universal life. Um, that is market related. You could lose cash. So let's say you know you accumulated fifteen twenty thousand dollars in your cash value. We have a market correction, and you've got a lot of equities uh, in your cash bag. Uh, or exposure to uh, those equities, you could lose money uh, and you may get one of those uh, nasty letters from the insurance company saying, if you don't increase your premium, uh, your insurance is going to expire. So that's that's universal life. It's, it's more expensive normally. Uh, I shouldn't say every time. It's more expensive than term insurance, but it has a permanent aspect, which means uh, normally it's designed so that you can have it as long as you live. Now, remember, term insurance will expire after the term. It may be 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years. Um, let, me, let me back up the term for a minute because a really good term insurance person uh, will have possibly three or four different term insurance policies because there's, the longer the term, let's say a 30-year term, is more expensive. Well, I, I, let me get even more simple with this. Let's say we're looking at a million-dollar term. A 15-year million-dollar term would be cheaper than a 30-year million-dollar term policy, okay? It's just cheaper because they, they're not on the hook for more than 15 years. The insurance company's on the hook for 30 years, okay, on that same value. So what we look at is the number of years that you need it. So let's say you have a 30-year mortgage. Then I would buy a term policy to cover paying off that home uh, for 30 years. Now, there are... Uh, uh, mortgage term types of policies. I do not like them. Okay. That's just my opinion. Um, but the, the death benefit decreases in line with your mortgage. Okay. So it's called depreciating term. Um, I, I'm just not a fan of them. I just, I just don't like them. Um, because of your term insurance, the, the, your premium doesn't change it regardless. Um, but a, a good financial planner sometimes will use a myriad of three or four or five different term insurance policies in the same household, depending on how long that need is created, because it will actually save you money versus an inexperienced life insurance salesman that may come in and say, hey, you need $2 million of term insurance. Let's buy a 30-year term. Well, your kids may be out of the house in 10 years. Do you still need it? You know, you may pay you off your mortgage in 15 years. Do you still need it? Uh, there, there are a lot of variables. A combination of, of, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30-year term plans will actually save you money. Let's go back to the uh, uh, universal life again. I apologize, but <laughs> sometimes the light bulb or something just jumps back into the road and i got to talk about it. So the universal life, once again, has a cash accumulation component. Uh, it's kind of like term insurance on steroids, okay? Simply because you can, you can own the contract as long as you're alive. Um, so it, it could be 30, 35, 40, 50 years. Um, 
but it is normally uh, more costly. And let's move on to what what many people call the Cadillac of permanent insurance. So whole life insurance. There are different types of whole life insurance. Whole life insurance. The the selling point, okay, or the gotcha point on whole life insurance is you lock in the premium at the age that you bought it. Okay, so if you're 50 years of age and you bought a fifty thousand dollar whole life policy and it costs you $50 a month. So we'll do 50, 50, 50. So it costs you $50 a month. That $50 a month, that will never change unless you change it. Okay. So the insurance company is saying, we guarantee that you have a $50,000 death benefit as long as you pay your $50 premium. Uh, There are many things, uh, um, many components of a whole life plan. Some of them are interest sensitive, okay, which means they they are they they will pay an interest rate. Some of them, uh, especially on the mutual companies, uh, so mutual companies means that 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 the policy owner owns the company versus a stock company. So a mutual company will pay a dividend. Um, back when I started, dividends were seven or eight percent. Now you you see the equivalent of two or three percent. Uh, just really kind of depends. But what happens is when a whole life policy pays a dividend, you could take it in a number of ways. You could take it as cash. Okay. You you can buy what's called paid up additional insurance. Okay. PUARs. Um, and, and a lot of people do that. So what happens is you may buy a $50,000 policy, but after 20 years, if you allow the dividends to buy additional paid up insurance, uh, your policy may be worth seventy five, eighty thousand dollars um, And it, it, it's, it's kind of intricate. Uh, there's a lot of moving parts to it, but I've never had anyone complain about that, that their insurance increased. The problem with whole life insurance is that it is, it is wrongly sold. Uh, and, and here's what I've seen in, in 25 years that based on current dividends that a, a life insurance professional may say, based on current dividends, you only have to pay this premium for 12 years. Okay. So what they're saying is that the dividend will be high enough in 12 years to actually pay your premium for you. That is another dividend option. You've got about three or four dividend options on most uh, whole life plans. And that is basically allow premium to pay your, or allow dividends to pay your premium. Some people will reduce their premium by applying dividends. So let's say that your your uh, monthly premium is $50. Let's say that your dividend is $25. If you apply the dividend to pay your premium, then your out-of-pocket is 25 bucks. The dividend paid 25 you paid $25. There, it, it, it's a unique product. But whole life is normally sold. People are not surfing Google to buy whole life. Not normally. Sometimes they buy final expense. If people are surfing Google to buy whole life, they're trying to buy a guaranteed issue plan, which which means that they waited too late in, in their life and now they've got something wrong and they're uninsurable and the only thing they could buy is guaranteed insurance. Uh, and, and those things are, are sketchy creatures because the death benefit probably isn't going to pay at 100% for three years. So anyways, whole life insurance. Um, do I like it? 
it, it depends. Um, do I like it for children? I, yes, I kind of do. Uh, because a parent can buy a whole life plan on a child relatively cheap. Uh, they may, there are different types of whole life. You could pay, you know, for your lifetime, you could buy a 20 pay, a 10 pay or a single premium. Uh, for example, someone may say, what would $5,000 buy me or buy my child or buy my grandchild? Well, that $5,000 may buy a $20,000 policy, for example, and then no additional premiums are due. That's it. It's, it's actually a, a good wealth transfer product. Because what you're doing when you do that is you're protecting a child's insurability. Uh, at age 20, 25, when they graduate college, they may be insurable. Uh, they say, I'm going to buy term insurance on myself. And this, this whole life plan uh, that grandma or grandpa bought me or mom or dad bought me that now has fifteen dollars or $18,000 of cash in it because the dividends accrued, I'm going to use that for my wedding or I'm going to buy a you know, down payment on a house. It, listen, th- there are a thousand different variables and uses of whole life insurance. But the basic criteria is this. It is permanent insurance. As long as you the premium is paid, you have the insurance. And the difference between the difference between universal life, which is permanent insurance, is that Universal Life has a cash accumulation bag, okay, which is interest sensitive, which means things can change, okay, I'm not saying they will, but they can, versus a permanent whole life policy that says, hey, as long as you're paying the premium, you're not going to get a I hate you letter in the mail saying if you don't pay more, it's going to lapse. As long as you pay your premium, you got the insurance. That's how it works. The younger you buy it, the cheaper the, the premium. That's how it works. You know, a once again, a good planner or a good life insurance professional may use a combination of term insurance and uh, uh, permanent insurance. They may buy permanent insurance and add a term insurance rider on top of it, which you can do. Like I said, there's so many different things involved with insurance. Um, but listen, it's not a one size fits all. That's what I want you to understand. All right, and I really don't like people buying it online. I, I, I really don't because life insurance is an exact science. You can underinsure, you can overinsure, you can buy the wrong type of insurance. If you're just buying insurance based on how much you want to pay for premium, you're probably not looking at it right. Sometimes a good financial steward will say, I need to adjust my budget so that my family's financial goals are accomplished in the event that I'm not here due to death. Okay, that's more important. So if you're looking at, well, I can only afford $20 a month in insurance premium, uh, but I can afford a $300 cell phone bill, and I can afford $150 a month for Netflix and HBO and Comcast and whatever, you, you get your priorities all jacked up, right? The founding, the foundation for a financial plan is life insurance. Because regardless of what happens to you during the course of that financial plan, if you own life insurance and you own the right amount and the right type, that that financial plan will self-complete when mortality at 100% gets you. Okay? Don't avoid it. Don't avoid it just because you don't want to pay the premiums. That, that's the wrong reason. And many people that complain about paying the premiums because they never see the results doesn't understand 1 Timothy 5.8. 1 Timothy 5.8 says... 
provide for your family, especially those of your immediate household. So listen, if you have questions about term insurance, universal life insurance, whole life insurance, and listen, there's just a there's thousands and thousands of different plans out there, but they fall into those three categories. I didn't talk about accidental life insurance because, in my opinion, it's, it's most of the time garbage. But um, some people buy it, you know, a, a double indemnity, triple indemnity on their whole life policy if they die by accident. I've never seen one actually used. Uh, that's why I say I don't, you know, I'm not necessarily a fan of it. Uh, a lot of credit card companies will, will uh, pander or, or, or sling accidental life insurance to you. The reality is that, that um, you know, it shouldn't be part of a financial plan uh, as you're you know saying that I'm going to die from an accident. Um, <clears throat> I've seen people add it, and I, like I said, in 25 years, I've never seen anyone cash in on an accidental uh, life insurance. I, I just haven't. I'm sure there, ha- there have been, but I just haven't seen it. Regardless, term insurance, universal life insurance, whole life insurance, um, don't be one of those that are just going online and buying it. You need, now I'm telling you, this is going to sound like a salesman, but this is a, a, I am a faith-based financial planner and I am telling you, I'm telling you, it is such an, a, an important part of your financial plan. You need a financial professional, financial planner, a good insurance professional that can help you in buying the right type and the right amount and for the right term. Okay. If you got questions, kingdomplanadvisory.com, kingdomplanadvisory.com. You can call us toll free at 888-226-7614. Listen, don't be afraid of life insurance, all right? Some of you say, I don't want to deal with a salesman. Well, you know, you buy cars online, do you? What about your car insurance or your homeowner's insurance? It's different. And I'm going to, I'm going to close with this. You know, people have car insurance, right? Do you hope that you have an accident? Do you hope that you total your car? No. Are you guaranteed that you will use your your property and casualty car insurance, comprehensive car insurance? No, you may never in your lifetime use it. Now, you know what I'm going to say next, right? Life insurance? Are you going to die? Is mortality 100%? The answer is yes. If you have life insurance in place when you die, it's going to pay. It is a difference. It is the difference between contentment for your surviving family, your spouse, your children, uh, your estate, all right, versus financial grief. Once again, kingdomplanadvisorygroup.com. God bless. Thank you for listening to Revolutionary Stewardship. I encourage you to visit KingdomPlanAdvisory.com to read our latest articles and sign up for our monthly newsletter. If you would like to arrange a free stewardship consultation, please schedule on our website or you may call 888-226-7614. Securities offered through Vanderbilt Securities LLC, member FINRA, SIPC, and registered with MSRB. Advisory services offered through Vanderbilt Advisory Services. God bless.